The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Friday, June 5th. Hops for Heroes, 10 Breweries, 1 Cause. Presented by Chris Ray, Center of the Universe Brewing Company. Wayne Wambles, Cigar City Brewing. Matt Lincecombe, Fremont Brewing. Garrett Marrero, Maui Brewing Company. Hi, everybody. Thank you all for coming to Savor. This is the eighth annual edition of Savor. We really appreciate that. My name is Paul Gatz. I'm director of the Brewers Association. Uh, the Brewers Association is the non-for-profit trade organization that represents America's small and independent craft brewers. And uh, we are the producers of Savor, and we're really happy to bring this event here to Washington, D.C. Um, so uh, we've got a special program today with uh, four beers to taste and lots of conversation. Um, it's an intimate environment. Uh, we invite you to, you know, raise your hand, grab a microphone, and ask questions, and, uh, you know, just have some, a lot of interplay. This isn't like, here is your seminar. No, that's not, that's not what we're doing here tonight. We're here to have fun. And... Uh, that's the goal. Um, so uh, each of these salons uh, is uh, sponsored by Spiegelau. It'll also be recorded by Greg and Jeff at uh, craftbeerradio.com. It'll be available to listen to afterwards um, on craftbeer.com so you can hear what was said. And so that's my way of saying please keep your language clean somewhat. Um, let's see. Um, so, yeah, if you have a question, just wait, and I'll pass you the microphone. I'll be the Phil Donahue of the uh, evening. Also, we have uh, Charles from American Brewer and uh, Phil from uh, uh, Ale Street News who are covering this. So if you ever pick up those uh, uh, magazines or newspapers, you'll be able to read about coverage. Unless they're not doing their job, then, uh, then they're you know, not going to cover it. Um, so uh, what we have here is uh, the seminar... Um, Hops for Heroes, 10 Breweries, One Cause. Uh, the order we're going to go in is uh, going to start with uh, Matt Lincecum from Fremont Brewing in Seattle. Then we're going to move on to Garrett Marrero from Maui Brewing Company. Then we'll go with uh, uh, Chris Ray from Center of the Universe Brewing Company in Ashland, Virginia. A uh, nice local brewery. And we'll follow that up with uh, Wayne Wombles from Cigar City in Tampa uh, to give their interpretations. But we'll let them tell the story of uh, how this project started, who some of the brewers are that aren't here today. So uh, let me pass it over to you, Matt. Thank you, Paul. So more importantly, thank you, everyone, for coming to this event. Um, this is a, a project near and dear to my heart, uh, and I know to everyone's heart here. It's been a five-year project at this point. I'll go back to the beginning. Uh, there was a time when um, we were still brewing beer, but Chris was actually pitching for the Mariners, uh, which if you didn't know, Seattle has a Major League Baseball team called the Mariners. Uh, it used to be a great team, and, um, but then Chris left and uh, started his own brewery with his brother Phil over here at KOTU. Uh, but at the time, he was pitching for the Mariners and um, came up and uh, asked if he could brew a beer with us, which promptly got a no we don't do gimmick beers. Um, and then he persisted and uh, showed such an amazing passion for beer and then brought some of his beers by, which is always a great idea. Um, and they were really good, which helped. So uh, we decided to actually brew a beer together. 
as we sat down to develop the recipe for the beer, uh, we both agreed that you know this this uh, this beer that we're going to release can't be something that puts a lot of focus on us because we wanted it to you know with Chris being with the Mariners, there's a huge spotlight on that, um, and for whatever spotlight you know we had as a brewery, we wanted to take that attention and, and uh, give it to somebody else to do something beyond ourselves. So. Having a lot of uh, military in our family, um, and then in our region, the Puget Sound, where I am, we have uh, some of the nation's, well, the nation's largest combined military base and nuclear, nuclear subs and whatnot. Uh, we decided to focus on the military. So we called this uh, Homefront IPA and picked a uh, charity at that time that had a national effect, and uh, we brewed up this beer. And then it was a ton of fun. We went around, released it uh, throughout the city, gave 100% of the proceeds back, and that set the stage for this project. The idea was that we would make no money out of this beer. Um, and anybody who participated in this project would make no money. So it's kind of a funny idea for a business because we are not a nonprofit. Um, but the idea was to take this one beer and do something beyond all of us and see if we could generate a lot of attention around it um, for the named charity at the time. And it caught fire. We were on ESPN. We got you know national coverage, Washington Post, just MSNBC. It really, uh, it really resonated with the people um, around the country that this project was not only brewed for, with uh, Louisville Slugger Bats, Chris called up Louisville Slugger, um, and got them to donate their bats, uh, which is phenomenal. We aged the beer on the bats. Um, but then we, to donate 100% of your proceeds back to the charity that you chose, um, that's that kind of selfishness, uh, selflessness, I think attracted a lot of uh, attention. And then the next year we decided to add more breweries uh, to that mix. So, and this is a selection, it's, for us it was a ton of fun because we got to call some of our favorite breweries um, that we like to drink and introduce ourselves and then ask them to be part of the project. So, uh, selfishly, we've been using this as a way to uh, drink great beer from great brewers uh, that we wouldn't have a chance to meet otherwise. So, um, thanks Garrett, thanks Wayne. Um, and then there are a lot of breweries that are also aren't here, from Stone Brewing in San Diego to St. Arnold's down in Houston, um, left hand out in Longmont, Colorado, and a couple others. But I'm going to stop the story there because there's more to tell, and uh, I'm going to have a drink and let Chris finish the rest of the story. Is that your way of saying let's pour the beers? For, I think we should. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of talking. So let's start with the beer. We have uh, all four beers tonight. Three of the beers are from uh, Canned, and then Garrett brought his, with an enormous amount of effort, uh, kegged up all the way from Maui. So part of the other project is we've added suppliers from Crown to all of our hops are free. Um, all these cans are, all the cans are donated by uh, the Crown canning facility, which is phenomenal. Yeah, this, um, this project was one of the, I guess, final pushes to let me know that this is an industry I want to be in. Um, not a whole lot of industries out there and anywhere in the, in the world where you produce uh, the same sort of material or beverage as we do, um, where you kind of get together and you, and you strip yourself of your, of your branding, of your identity, and, and you do something for a good cause. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, lot of, a lot of time, a lot of commitment from all the breweries uh, involved, a lot, of, a lot of resources from our, from our sponsors. Um, you know, thank, thanks to them, basically all the raw ingredients are free, they're donated, uh, which allows us to, to translate it. That's even more money. Um, so we've raised over $500,000 so far um, in the last five years. 
Uh, last year we brewed 728 barrels. Uh, this year we're doing uh, pretty much the same. Uh, some of the breweries that aren't here tonight, uh, 21st Amendment, uh, Palmetto out of South Carolina, St. Arnold Revolution out of Chicago, uh, Perennial Artisan uh, out of Missouri. Um, trying to think who else. Yep, Stone, obviously, out of, uh, out of California. So it's, um, you know, we're kind of the odd man out a little bit. We're, we're still a small brewery, but it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun working with these, uh, um, these great craft breweries, and it, it kind of it makes me feel good that I'm in a good industry. Uh, it should make you feel good that when you go out there and you drink craft beer, you realize that this is the kind of stuff going on behind the scenes, that you know, the money that, you know, yeah, it might be a little bit extra money um, than your uh, traditional uh, large brewery, but, it, but it's going back to the community. And, um, you know, we've, we've felt for a long time that uh, we're brewing beer, we're having a great time, and there's a lot of men and women over there overseas and at home that are, um, you know, much worse conditions, uh, you know, allowing us to keep brewing this beer and, and, and enjoying this industry. So this is um, our way of saying thank you to them, and uh, we grow a little bit every year, and it's, uh, it's one, of the, one of the things I look forward to every year is uh, Memorial Day, which is, you know, sort of, Half good, half bad, um, but you know it's one of those things where um, I feel I feel good about our industry. You know, we're we're brewing a beer for Memorial Day, not to say look at us. You know, look at the beer we're making. We're donating five percent of the proceeds. This is this is a beer where when someone comes to the to the brewery or out uh, to a restaurant or to an off-premise store and buy it and take it home, that they know that that money is going uh, to military families. Uh, so I'll let uh, give it back to Matt. Let him talk about his version of. Uh, uh, home for an IPA. Thanks, Chris. And, you know, it, it, before I describe the beer, because that's always fun, but um, I think Chris said, you know, what I like most about brewing Homefront and this, uh, doing this every year and all the amazing brewers that give their time when everyone's really busy. This is the time of the year when we all ramp up. Just come out of the winter where, you know, we're not brewing as much beer as we are in the summer. You have a little more time. And really, the exact time we have to brew this beer is when we're all ramping up to get ready for you know the huge surge in demand as we come into the season. So it's a double sacrifice, I think, for all of us. But it truly represents what is best about craft beer and what the you know, Brewers Association highlights in events like Savor. Craft brewers are different. We represent our community in a unique and honest way. It's not just about treating you, know, you as a customer and we as a supplier of a widget. It's a relationship. These are relationships that each of, each of us have every time we have a beer in our hand. We go home, we thank our brother, sister, our neighbor for serving in the military. Um, it really, truly does represent uh, this project, what I think is the best about craft beer, giving back 100% of your proceeds, generally, just to say thank you to your community. So it's a, it's a true honor to be part of it. So, and thank you, Paul and the BA, for uh, making this platform available for us. Truly, without them, we would not have a, nearly as large of a voice. But. Uh, so uh, this version, of, we brew the, the beer, and it's roughly the same recipe. We have, you know, that was one of the things, that so there's some kind of continuity around the country uh, with all the recipes. But uh, beyond that, folks are kind of doing their own interpretations. It is an IPA, so you stick within those guidelines. You do age it on uh, maple bats. I would love to actually hear Wayne talk about his thoughts about what it's like to age on maple bats. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, but they do auction well, so that's awesome. Um, so this is... Uh, Pretty straightforward uh, grain bill. It's just mainly the main contribution is uh, pale malt, two-row pale malt, a um, little specialty, uh, specialty grain, and then Chinook is the bittering hop, and we bittered this year with uh, Fun Hop Mosaic. Uh, it's a great hop that's getting a lot of attention these days. It's about three or so years into 
Uh, it's large-scale commercial production. So typically it has a nice uh, fruity, tropical, like a mango papaya representation in the aroma. Um, and it balances really well with uh, the Chinook, which is more of that kind of tarry, piney characteristic of a classic IPA. That's uh, what you're drinking right now. And I think each of us have a different take on this beer. But we have recently brewed this beer to, uh, to be a stadium beer. So we wanted to have a beer that um, your average baseball drinker uh, could sit down to a game, uh, watch the Cardinals lose and uh, <laughs> to the Mariners, um, and then enjoy a beer, but without being something that's you know, too far away from a blue moon, if you will. Um, so that's why I, I think I, most of us brew beers that are uh, definitely far more out there as far as flavor characteristics, uh, the aromatics in the hops, the, hop, uh, the malt bill, et cetera. Uh, yeast selection, water treatments, but uh, for this beer, it really was brewed to be a beer that we can ship all over the country, and you know, you just got back from service, you just got back from a second tour in Afghanistan, and your husband bought you a six-pack um, to say thank you, and you know, it's a beer that's not going to freak you out. So that, was, that was part of the limitation we wanted on this beer. It wasn't a mainstream beer, but it was a beer that uh, was approachable. How, uh, now it's Garrett. <laughs> How frequently do you brew it? Once yeah, well, a year, what, uh, about what batch size do you do? I think everybody's different. Uh, this year we brewed, I want to say we did 50 barrels this year because we had the ability to do so. We had a slot in our system, uh, but I'm not sure everybody's batch sizes, but we also felt it'd be a great way to put it on tap at the pub. Uh, we also have our tasting room in Kihei that we just opened. Uh, and be able to use that as a platform to showcase this. So, 90 barrels this year. Well, I guess we're moving on to the second beer a little bit. Uh, I'll let the beer start coming out, but I'm Garrett. I'm from Maui Brewing, and of course, thank you for being here. Uh, it's always an honor to be here at Saver and to get a chance to talk with you. Uh, answer questions. We, we call it talk story in Hawaii. And uh, to be a part of this project has meant a lot for us because uh, I think everybody in the country, whether they uh, know or not, is deeply impacted by our military and, and families. Um, my sister actually just snuck in the room too here. I don't know that she actually has a ticket, Paul, so. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll let her slide. Uh, but her husband, my brother-in-law, is uh, I believe Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps and taking command of a base in Missouri this July. Uh, so we're very proud of his accomplishments and, and his many sacrifices. Uh, you know, he's done many tours overseas, and see, to see my nieces grow up, you know, waving at a computer screen when they do get to see their dad or talk on the phone is definitely something that hits home. Uh, and then my little brother, our little brother, I should say, just uh, joined the Air Force, and he graduates tomorrow and goes to the Air Force Academy. So uh, the military is a big part of our family, and we're very proud, uh, proud to support uh, so when Chris reached out and said, hey, we're doing this project, I think this is our second year doing it, and it's grown, obviously, as, as Chris and, and Matt mentioned. Uh, you know, when you get a friend in the brewing business, uh, you know, that, which is cool about this culture, the craft beer culture, is we are all friends and family. Um, when someone calls and says, hey, we're doing this project, do you want to be a part of it? You know, 99% of the time it's yes, unless you just flat out can't do it. It's usually I want to, but I can't, never a flat out no. And I think the, the culture of craft beer is that, you know, beer has to have a sense of place. It has to be innovative, unique, you know, and, and, and sense of place means 
giving back to your community it means understanding where you're from and meaning understanding how you get to be who you are. And some of that is, of course, giving back to charity. And uh, craft brewers are uh, traditionally very um, uh, philanthropic and very community driven. Most of us have built our brands based on being involved in the community. Uh, our, our company, ourselves, we've never spent a single penny on advertising for our beer. We would rather go out and do tastings and shake hands and meet the drinkers themselves and create fans and create a family that loves our beer as opposed to uh, just put it in a magazine and hopefully they get it. Um, so being part of this project was you know, a, a small way that we can give back. And uh, of course, Chris, I know, goes through a lot to organize it. I mean, even the, the mainland guys all get to do cans, uh, which because we're in Hawaii, we can't. Um, even though we can, we can't. Um, <laughs> It's always fun to think about that. Uh, we use a different size can, and Crown doesn't make that can for us. Uh, it's a 206. It's an eighth of an inch wider, if you really want to know. But um, it, it hurts us that way. But I was thinking maybe next year we'll send some over, and you all can can it for us. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of cool. But and anyhow, uh, ours is uh, you know very traditional IPA. Uh, so we we tend to be a little bit more malt heavy on our IPAs in Maui. Uh, it makes uh, we feel for something that when warmer weather, which we have almost year-round, always year-round for you, anybody coming from here. Um, you know, it makes it very drinkable, even when it's, you know, 85, 90 degrees outside, you can still drink a nice, good, uh, high IBU IPA. So this one came in at about 7.4% ABV, uh, a little bit more malt character there, uh, traditional sea hop. So uh, we did use Chinook, uh, Cascade, Centennial, uh, and then we finished, uh, we had a little bit of El Dorado that we still had, uh, so we were able to add that to get bump up that uh, lemon character in the beer. Uh, always, like I said, a fun project and something we look forward to being part of for many years. Uh, and being all the way out in Hawaii and being able to support uh, Hawaii is a heavy military state and something that you know we had to do our part. And this is just one small piece of that. So, but I appreciate you guys keeping us involved and look forward to many more. So, thank you. So, if anyone has any questions, just raise your hand and I'll pass you the mic. Bats. Did everyone use the same type of bats? Uh, yes, yeah, so everyone uses uh, unfinished maple bats from Louisville Slugger. Um, now, the real difference is that every brewery's logo is completely different. Then we auction those bats either at uh, release parties or online auctions, and then 100% of the proceeds goes to uh, the charity. So this year the charity is uh, Soldiers Angels. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Soldiers Angels, they do pretty much everything when it comes to uh, military service men and women. They do uh, letter writing if they're overseas. They do visits um, for the troops um, if they get injured in battle. Um, they also support the families at home um, when they have a loved one serving overseas. So they kind of do the whole, the whole spectrum. Um, they've got offices all over the country. Um, you know, our, our end goal um, in Hops for Heroes is to establish our own 501c3. Uh, and then allow each individual brewery to pick um, their local charity in their backyard. Uh, so they would send the money to House for Heroes, and then that money gets uh, put right back in their, in their local community. But the uh, uh, Soldiers Angels does a good job of, um, they know where the money's coming from, and they, they put that money back into the, uh, the area the money comes from. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, to, to do this effort. It's a, it's a lot of work on um, everyone here, um, as, as Matt mentioned. Brew schedules are tough. You know, you, you've got uh, quotas, you've got uh, quantities that you need to meet, and to, to stick a beer in there, that's a, that's a one-off, and 
um, you know that that's not going to benefit you financially. Is a, it's a huge, um, huge undertaking by all these breweries involved, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, it's really impressive um, when we look at it, especially when, you know, as Matt Matt mentioned, I uh, I played baseball. Um, so that was my first career. I guess it was about seven years in baseball, um, primarily in Baltimore and then Texas, San Francisco, and Seattle, and uh, you know, my brother and I were home brewers as many breweries start out as, uh, but we wanted to, one of my best friends was serving overseas at the time, and I was getting paid too much money to play a game out in Seattle and, and wanted to give back, and um, yeah, went and got a hold of Matt, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a leap of faith on his part. Uh, it really was, you know, we, now that I own a brewery, and if I saw someone coming up to me and be like, hey, I want you to brew a beer with me, I'd be like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's a real testament to Matt, and um, you know, he, he decided that he wanted to donate 100% of the proceeds, which for me wasn't my brewery. I was like, yeah, it sounds great. Give all the money away. You know, don't keep any of it. So um, it's, just, it's just been incredible um, growing every year. Uh, the breweries that sign on um, make incredible beer year-round, and, and then wanting to be involved with this, uh, this project is, is pretty special. So I guess we can start on uh, our beer. We're the only business uh, or any industry that I can think of that we're like, oh, yeah, well, sure, we'll do that. We, we, A, know we're not going to make any money. Uh, B, we know we're going to spend money to not make any money. And hell, yeah, that sounds like fun. So it's kind of funny in, when you think of craft beer. Uh, you know, we're a, whole, we're a whole different world away from, um, you know, this... You know, this week we're 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 heading uh, gunning for the big guys, right? So we're very different than the the Bud Miller Coors of the world, and uh, you know we don't we don't tend to argue much when we do. We tend to work it out, uh, but uh, by and large, you know, we collaborate and we always end up finding a solution for everyone together. Uh, but it it is kind of cool to me to get that phone call and you know be able to go down to my brewers and say, hey, we're going to do this beer, and you know we just hired a CFO, so I can only imagine now that. I'm not that person. I'm going to have to be like, hey, bye. Uh, Russell, by the way, this beer we do, uh, we're not going to make any money on. And yes, it's going to cost us money. And I'm excited about that because it, it is a good cause. And I think it's just a defining point of the industry that we, we collaborate as much as we do. And uh, you don't see that almost anywhere else. We're here to support each other. And you know, we've had, we, ourselves in Lahaina, uh, we just sold our old brewery uh, to a startup brewery to give birth to Hawaii's newest and smallest brewery. Uh, even though we're Hawaii's largest. So we don't look at it as competition. We look at it as, hey, cool, we're, we're actually going to have another brewery on, Hawaii, on Maui, and we won't, by default, win the Best Brewery Award every year. We're like, <laughs> there's actually going to be competition. So it, it's exciting for us. But uh, again, just wanted to illustrate that point about our industry because it is something that uh, initially was... Uh, just such a kind of shock to me coming from uh, previously being in the finance world where your, your best friend would stab you in the back with a spoon for an account. Uh, this is quite the opposite. So I'm very proud to be a part of this culture. Uh, who is the largest consumer of Home IPA? Because when I was, I was stationed at Port Sill and like Hawaii is a large military presence. There were, you couldn't find it anywhere. So like I searched for like weeks and weeks and weeks and I couldn't find it. This is actually my first time having it. So I like, is the military a large consumer of it, or is it based off other locations? And are you, uh, were you, what base were you on, you said? I was at Fort Sill. Okay, so for us, we, 
We did send some kegs over to Oahu, so there were some bases over there, that because uh, we do business with, um, I forget the name of the bar right on the base there, but uh, most of ours is sold through the tasting room and brew pub, so you'd have to come to Maui for that. Uh, because we don't package it, it doesn't reach any stores, and I don't know, do you guys get it into stores as well? Okay, so ours is mostly retail through the pub and tasting room, uh, but because we have two pretty high volume retail accounts that we, that we own, uh, we tend to, 50 barrels doesn't last very long for us, so most of it's at our pub and tasting room, so. Yeah, it's, it's really specific on uh, where each brewery distributes their beer. Um, you know, we, we do it from Richmond area down, down to the beach, but it's, it's a limited amount, it's a, it's a one batch, and, um, you know, our, our goal is to have a, a brewery in every state and then have two breweries in every state so that, you know, the, the reach of it keeps expanding. Um, but at the same time, we don't want someone to brew, you know, 2,000 barrels and then send it all over the country. It kind of waters down the, uh, the local aspect of it. It's, it's, it's a beer that doesn't last. It's an IPA. IPAs are volatile and they're, like love, often fleeting. But I know we, we sent it out to JBLM, uh, Bangor and Britain, Bremerton, um, and then Safeway Kroger all over the state. Um, but it's, it goes really fast. That's the hard thing about it. It's incredibly popular beer. So it's released every year Memorial Day. Uh, it's when the release date is. And then, um, you know, in Washington, it's usually gone within a week. So it's a little frustrating. We always set a little bit aside for a couple uh, Ranger troops we work with down at JBLM. So, yeah, it's... I'm sure each of us have some kind of special relationship. Uh, and there's, there's one nuke subgroup who uh, we want to make happy. So. Never piss off a nuke sub commander. Good lesson. Yeah, my name is Dustin. I'm with, uh, actually, I own a beer bar bottle shop. I just retired from the Marine Corps after 20 years. You look like a fellow Marine down there at Fort Sill or whatever. But from the Camp Lejeune area, I was going to ask the exact same question because I haven't seen this beer. And uh, Camp Lejeune is one of two major Marine Corps bases in the world. But... Uh, as a beer bar owner and a bottle shop owner, yes, I would love to get my hands on a spear. But uh, I wanted to say thank you, one, uh, for supporting the troops and stuff like that. It's, it's, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. I know sometimes uh, some people might be like, oh, support the troops, throw a bumper sticker. But it, especially in the craft beer world, it, it means a lot. It really does because um, I've worked in the brewing industry long enough to know how hard it is to cycle maybe 40 beer barrels into a production schedule and then to donate all the proceeds and not expect anything back in return, that's when you're literally trying to rub pennies together and make money, that's, that's a tall order. But uh, I'll get to my question, though, which is, one, is it available in North Carolina? Um, the closest brewery uh, would be Palmetto. That's in South Carolina. Yeah, so now um, they, they, do a, they do a large batch. They do 120 barrels. Um, but again, this, as Matt was saying, it's, okay. a, it's a highly sought-after beer. So, yeah. um, you know, hopefully we'll be getting a brewery in North Carolina, getting a brewery in, in all these states. And, in which and then my other question is, real quick, because I love our government at the federal and state levels, and I noticed the can art, and I noticed the name, and different breweries using the same can art and the same name. Any issues or problems there? Um, no. The, uh, the, the project, uh, Hops for Heroes, owns the rights. Um, there's been a couple issues, but uh, we've, we've, we've resolved them. Uh, the only thing, as far as the federal government goes, is... Uh, as long as you have the brewed and canned or brewed by uh, individual brewery, um, you're in compliance. So uh, obviously none of the breweries involved in this effort are going to go after somebody else for using the name Home for an IPA or Hops for Heroes. Um, so yeah, there's no, there's no issues with that as long as there's not an actual American flag on it. We'll be okay. 
Former liquor, I was a liquor licensing attorney. Um, not for long, but ashamed about that. But uh, I do know a lot about liquor licensing. Um, no, actually, uh, label approval is fine for this. Sometimes the when you go through the label approval, they can tag you if you're using specifically the American flag. That's what the real key is, the tipper is. But uh, to use an eagle is fine. It's iconic, obviously. This is a very unique logo we came up with this year, just for Hopster Heroes. So uh, no, it's never tripped any, uh, any big triggers in the TTB. But the great thing about our government is you just never know. <laughs> you just never know. Um, but apparently we talked to the right person, got the right approval. And as Chris said, the fun, fun thing about this, it took two years to get Crown to, to convince Crown to do this. Um, and it's all the exact same can. There are plates. Each color has a plate in the way you print a can. Um, and then the uh, black plate prints out the uh, origin and the brewery who brewed it. So that's the only distinguishing characteristic among all the cans that we make. So, and it satisfies all the TTB laws, uh, which is the federal agency that governs us. So. Yeah, that's very unique. Uh, you know, all brewers try to differentiate, and in this case, you're trying to show unity uh, through similar packaging, and that's, uh, that's really different. You never see that. Charles, did you have your hand up? Once you uh, donate this money to the charities, what do you do to keep track of it to make sure that it's spent properly and, and, and well? Did you follow up on any of the beneficiaries to see you know, if, if they've, how they've been treated? Uh, it, it's a good question. I will say that we track the organization to make sure the organization is still on track, but um, we don't have the resources to really follow up with the beneficiaries from all you know, our funds that are given back to Hops for Heroes. I will tell you, um, without devolving into the name of the organization, um, there is the organization prior to uh, Soldiers Angels that we worked with that had gone through a major change, which uh, Chris and I, and I think everybody in the project, did not think was a good change. It was not a change that was ultimately going to benefit uh, our service members and their families. So we changed over to Soldiers Angels. We thought they were much more uh, direct in the contributions from this project to the service members and their families. So we do track it. Um, I also come from an 11-year career in the nonprofit world. So I will tell you that I don't think we track it to the sense of, you know, we're not auditing these companies. Uh, we're not tracking down individual beneficiaries and digging into the books, but uh, we do make sure that the organization we're working with is a legitimate organization. And staying in touch with them uh, and the local organizations that we work with uh, is a pretty good way to get a sense of their contributions back to the communities. So. Yeah, we, uh, we do a lot of research prior to picking the charity <clears throat> that we do. We look at their financial statements, um, making sure that their um, you know, use of the money is, is, is effective um, isn't just administrative costs, um, but as far as as far as saying you know our money is going here, it's really kind of challenging to do, um, rather impossible. Um, the charities do know that you know essentially this year they'll be getting a quarter million dollars from unsolicited quarter million dollars from from local breweries, and uh, they they take that seriously. Uh, they know that uh, we don't have a contract with with charities, and um, they they usually do a pretty good job uh, making sure that money goes where it should go. Part, part of this effort, I mean, this is all volunteer, and it takes a just ridiculous amount of time to get all these resources together every year. Uh, so it's, we want to expand the program. So this year, as Chris mentioned, we're, um, our law firm actually has agreed to do the 501c3 for free. 
Um, so we're working on our nonprofit status right now to get an organization and try to fund it for you know a couple month employee to actually help do the you know just logistical organization for this, um, and then hopefully we can get some auditing services donated also. But the key is the, the fun about this project is you approach. And then, you know, there's so many things you can do. We, I would love to approach Kroger and Safeway and ask them to feature this, but give 100% of the proceeds back. I'd love to approach Reyes out here and ask them to, you know, give 100% of the proceeds back if they have the, you know, opportunity to distribute these beers. We can get a lot of services for this for free because the organizations that are involved in it have, there's a benefit for them. They, there's a, a goodwill benefit. Their employees are honored to be a part of the project. Um, but until that time, we need to build up the organizational resources so we can grow this program and then drill down a little bit more. Um, it's really just been five years of, honestly, like phone calls to people. And, hey, you know, Garrett, would you brew this beer in Maui? Um, and, you know, Wayne, would you do this in, you know, in uh, Cigar City in Florida and down in Houston? Uh, they brew 100 barrels every year. Wayne's brewing 90 barrels. It's pretty crazy uh, what we've been able to do in a very small amount of resources while also growing uh, each of our breweries, I know each of us don't have enough tanks to brew the beer and we're all trying to expand and he just finished building a new brewery. I just started building a brewery on Monday, um, so I'd really like to get back home, build that brewery. <laughs> I know. But uh, next year we'll be doing uh, our home front project on an 80 barrel brewery, uh, I hope. So. There's a, a lot more to do, but the, the real, to me the focus of the, the story is what you can do just with volunteer effort. You know, if everyone just gives a little bit, you can do a lot if you all act together. So, and over the years, we'll get some more sophistication together and a little more resources, but half of the fun of this project, really, for each of us is that we can do this in a way that isn't hugely impactful. It's not hugely programmatic, um, but we do it simply, purely, and honestly out of our commitment to our community and our service members. I think it's time for Wayne at Cigar City. You didn't want to talk about your IPA? Um, so, so our version, which you just had, um, my brother and I are from Florida, so we wanted to concentrate on the uh, orange aspect of it. Uh, so we use fresh orange zest in the, uh, in the fermenter after fermentation uh, to bring out some of those uh, bright citrusy characteristics. Uh, we also use a grain called uh, Paul's Mild, which gives it a little bit more of that uh, uh, richness uh, yeah, a little bit, little bit of earthiness, some, some sweetness in there with it. Um, again, as Matt mentioned, this is, is supposed to be a beer that is uh, kind of widely acceptable. Uh, it's not going to um, knock you out with, with certain flavors that you're not used to. Uh, so we, we take kind of the, the traditional approach to it. Um, you know, inside of this, this industry, inside of this project in particular, there's a, a framework that we work in. Um, but every brewery is essentially putting out a beer out there to represent themselves. So we, we allow really kind of any kind of creative uh, differences in the beer, whether it's hops, whether it's uh, techniques, uh, yeast, obviously. Um, you know, mainly, you know, this is it. This, it's the can that says Home Front IPA. That's all we're looking for. It's, a, you know, as Matt mentioned, we, we strip our identities. We, we strip down our branding um, and, and produce a beer that, that we're proud of. And, um, you know, what we did is, is concentrate more on the citrus and, uh, a little bit more of those, uh, you know, earthy, sweeter, sweeter tones in the beer. I'm uh, Wayne. I'm from Cigar City Brewing in Tampa, Florida. Um, I spent uh, about 27 years of my life in a small town in southeast Alabama that was uh, 
about seven miles away from a mil military installation called Fort Rucker. Um, they trained um, Army helicopter pilots. Um, so uh, it had a, a, lot of, um, a lot of impact on my life. Um, I, I think that it's probably a big reason why I don't speak with a Southern accent right now. Um, because I had so much outside influence from all these um, kids and military brats and um, and also there was a lot of culture that was brought in by the presence of uh, this military base so um, you know there was uh, Korean and Thai and all these different cultures um, so we were able to experience the food and all these different things that you you normally wouldn't experience in such a small town in southeast Alabama um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of other things there, um, and uh, that was one of the reasons that I had to start brewing beer. Um, but my grandfather was also, uh, he was a World, World War II veteran, um, so it seems like the majority of my life I've been around military to some degree. Um, I want to talk more about the beer that I've made. Um, one of the things that, uh, one of the nice things about this seminar to me outside of um, doing something for a really great cause is generally what we'll do is after all the beers are brewed we have this, uh, this agreement where we ship each other all our beers um, and everybody gets to try everybody else's beers side by side to sort of see the different takes and deviations that might have taken place throughout um, each individual concept and uh, I think we've done it for the last two years and that's been really cool well it's pretty cool to be able to sit here with these guys and do it face to face because that's pretty unusual for us to actually get an opportunity to do. Yeah. Um, so I always viewed the beer as being very um, citrus forward, not only because of the hop varieties that are being used, but because of the orange peel as well. And the first year we used the baseball bats and we didn't get a whole lot of wood pickup and my thinking was I want more of that in this beer because I think with the citrus expression the beer already has from the orange and the hops um, having that maple element come forward and shine a little bit more really would make for an even more beautiful expression so what we've done for the last two years is we've um, we have bought um, sugar maple spirals that are lightly toasted, and we've infused the beer, or infused the wood into the beer by um, spinning it through this tank. It's sort of like a torpedo, um, like Sierra Nevada uses for hops. Um, but basically what we did was we took somewhere in the neighborhood of about one pound per barrel of these light toasted sugar maple, maple spirals, put them in this infusion tank, and then we have, um, we have this flexible impeller pump that pulls the beer out of the ferment or post-fermentation and runs the beer into this tank where all the wood spirals are. It creates a double vortex, and this helps to pull out the wood character more rapidly. And then the pressure of the pump pushes the beer back out of this infusion tank but keeps the wood inside of the tank and then moves the beer back into the fermenter. Um, and uh, I don't know if you're getting it, but... There's, uh, there's wood sugar that's been added to this beer from the sugar maple, and I think it plays pretty well with the, um, with the orange and, the, and the, the hops that have orange-like notes to me. It's also got some tannins, which dries it out a little bit more in the finish. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but 
I do? Absolutely. The clarity of the tannins in this is fabulous. I've never tasted a beer like this. Um, well, I, I don't want to get too much into process, but I guess I already have, so I'll just continue down that pathway for now. <laughs> um, the, uh, the infusion tank, we call it the SpinBot 5000, and um, we use it to infuse pretty much just about uh, everything from cacao nibs to chili peppers, uh, I mean, you name it, as long as it can be maintained inside of this tank, um, we, we will spin beer through it. Um, but typically it used to take us about seven to 10 days to be able to pick up, for instance, white oak. Um, and since we've implemented this infusion process, we pick up that wood in about 24 to 36 hours. And I mean, it's dead solid. It's, you, know, you, you don't wanna take it any further. It's, it's where it needs to be. So I think that, that this beer is a really good example of, of that particular process. What other woods have you used down there at Cigar City? Uh, I, we just did a project for the Museum of Fine Arts that I'll be serving next week um, in St. Petersburg. And uh, they selected five different breweries. Um, the five breweries were presented random pieces of artwork, and they had to create a beer that um, they felt represented or somehow was indicative or showed some sort of commonality to that artwork. We were given um, an African mask um, that the chief of the Pende tribe in Zaire used to wear. And it was, it's completely made out of wood, has some dark and lighter colored woods infused into it. Um, and this is the mask that the chief would wear when social unrest was going on to basically say, hey, get your stuff in shape. You know, it's time to shape up and uh, pull it all together. Um, so looking at it, uh, I ended up making a very rustic um, brown ale. And it, had, uh, it also has spelt, which is a, a little bit older sort of grain. Uh, the idea was to have the beer kind of be a little rough around the edges, um, not completely refined. And uh, we used African badalk wood, um, which has uh, cocoa notes, um, cinnamon notes, vanilla, and uh, almost like sandalwood undertones to it. Um, and I've been gone while they've spun the beer through it. They tell me that it's good. I've been texting for the last two days. Um, but the only way that I can really tell if, if a wood I haven't used is a possible candidate is just through sensory, like, smelling. Um, and that's usually how we decide how to do it. But that's the latest project has been the African Badalk wood. Um, but we've also done uh, Spanish cedar, which I think some people are familiar with. Um, we've done orange wood, lemon wood, grapefruit wood, uh, just a wide variety, um, black ash, pretty much anything I can get my hands on that I think might work, I'll try to infuse, uh, infuse it into the beer. Excellent. Any other questions people have? Art-inspired beer. I think this is a whole new concept. Do you have a name for the beer? The name of the mask is called Fumbu, P-H-U-M-B-U. So I just simply named the beer the same thing. My other question, as you guys are doing research um, and as you're trying to expand this incredible project, any sense of how many uh, veterans or brewers today are involved in starting brewing companies? It seems like I'm running across more and more as I, uh, just in the mid-Atlantic area.
I'm sorry, I was opening a beer. I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, how, how many veterans these days are involved in starting uh, craft beer companies, involved either brewing the company or founders of the companies? Seems like definitely a growing number in the last. Yeah, it two seems years. like a growing number. Uh, the first ones I ran into were uh, Eric Wallace and Dick Dorr of Left Hand Brewing Company. Uh, they were stationed in Italy, and uh, they, I used to own a homebrew supply shop in Boulder, Colorado. This was probably 1993, and uh, they kept coming in day after day after day, and they'd get by the same stuff except for one little difference. One, oh, we're going to try this hop this time. I'm like, you guys are up to something. I know it. I know you're up to something. And I think it was 94 that they opened their brewery. But nowadays, I'm not sure how many. You know, we don't, we don't ask that question, but it, it's probably something that uh, we could throw out on the forum and, uh, and find that out. Yeah, put it on a survey. Yeah. I mean, here in D.C., we have Heritage Brewing, which is out in Manassas, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Honor Brewing Company, which has started in the last year. The graphics from the can are designed by uh, Dan, who's our graphics guy. Uh, he is an Army veteran, Army sniper. Doesn't like to talk about it very much. But, um, so these are designed by a uh, veteran. Uh, we have a brewer, and our uh, main maintenance guy is also a lifelong paratrooper and paratrooper trainer. So I think they're, they're peppered throughout, but the crazy thing about veterans is you're probably sitting next to one right now and you just wouldn't know. Just wouldn't know. So it'd be great to put that on the survey. So we'll ask our Brewers Association. Um, at the Craft Brewers Conference this, this year in Portland, we actually had a bunch of veterans do an ad hoc thanks to the Brewers Association giving us a little bit of space, and uh, there's like a little bit of collaboration going to form a, I think, what do they call it, Veterans Beer Trail, or so something like veterans who own breweries to kind of form together, but I think there's a, it's a double-edged sword because you have the Brewers Association, then you're kind of creating a, a click within a click, so to speak, or whatever, so I, I don't know, but that was... Um, they were talking about brainstorming, doing something like that. And we do have notes from that uh, meeting of veterans at the Craft Brewers Conference. So it was a little, uh, you know, a little side meeting in a side room. So we've got some information recorded on it. Uh, in the future, are you going to do like the full spectrum of drawing wounded veterans in to help you on brew days or something? Because I know um, a lot of multiple posts have homebrew clubs, like Fort Sill, for instance, we had our own homebrew club, and then I'm stationed at Fort Gordon now, so we have a huge presence there of veterans. Um, I've actually organized uh, breweries with uh, Coop L Works out of Oklahoma, and we've gone with them and brewed with our homebrew club there. And it's been an awesome experience, and it, it helps, because you know, with being wounded warriors and everything, you get really stressed out from day-to-day -day activities, just the small things stress you out. So it was a good thing going out there and being able to blow some steam off, throwing 50-pound bags of grain around and helping around the brewery. Even wash it. We filled kegs. We washed kegs. We did everything. Pre pretty much free labor. <laughs> uh, 
Joint Bass Lewis McCord, it's JBLM, sorry, I've been saying that all night. Joint Bass Lewis McCord, um, we sponsor the homebrew club down there, so we go serve beer, and then they come up and uh, brew beer on uh, uh, Homefront IPA Brew Day, so. Yeah, we don't make them work that hard, though, so thank you. Thanks for that, I'll let them know. Yeah, and <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I just need your troop number again one more time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one thing that, um, I know there's a lot of, Groups and organizations that do, um, you know, post-combat life, post uh, post-enlistment life, and that's that's one thing that I've kind of been thinking about is is a way to kind of start a program where you actually start putting these former troops into brewery training, um, you know, because working in a brewery is a it's a skilled you know profession, and um, as far as Homefront is concerned, I know um, St. Arnold down in Houston. Uh, they have a huge zesting party where they have a bunch of veterans come in and uh, basically you bring a zester, they have beer, you zest oranges all day. Um, but it, it, it is something um, that, that I like those groups to start working on, um, the ones that do the transitions uh, where they start training for, uh, for other jobs to, to start including, you know, breweries. Again, another thing that the, v, the VA could step in and um, possibly help out on is... Uh, you know, providing at least someone to, to train those folks. Um, back uh, several years ago, I used to run the statistics for the Brewers Association before we hired Bart Watson, our economist. And there was one year where uh, we started finding um, uh, breweries at army bases, usually in officers' clubs and usually tiny, like half barrel to one barrel. And I think there was one year where, just when I'm about to close up the stats, uh, my buddy Lester Jones, another economist, said, hey, there's a brewery here in Oklahoma at the Army base. And yeah, and uh, I'm like, really? And so I started trying to poke around. All of a sudden, just when I'm trying to close the stats, I've got to add six more breweries. So I think there were six breweries at that point. I don't know how many there are now. And uh, they seem to be real under the radar. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing that not too many, they didn't really want too many people within the uh, military to know about it. We have a few more minutes, and uh, we don't really want to leave while they're still having their uh, session next door because we'll really interrupt them. Up, uh, oh, Charles has got his hand up. And there's some more beers over here if you want some. Raise your hand. I know you're not making money on it, and you're spending a lot of time on it, but um, can are there any tax advantages to doing this to sort of mitigate the law, the financial loss? Well. We, all the breweries are donating to a 501c3, so obviously any any sort of donation um, is tax deductible. Um, it's a zero-sum yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. Well, in in effect, what the donation does for us is we are uh, uh, removed from the obligation to pay the federal excise tax. So and sales tax. That's about it. There's not a lot of other bonuses for it. So uh, in effect, what that means is that you're just pay giving more money. It's a more uh, of a pass-through back to the this year's uh, Soldiers Angels. So there's not a tax advantage in the sense that if you're you know, spending $30,000, um, now instead of spending $30,000, you're spending $29,900 
which just allows you to you know give more money back to the nonprofit. So well, no, there's no advantage to us uh, in a tax advantage. We just because whenever you give to a nonprofit, you are excluded from paying the sales tax and the excise tax. So I guess you're well, not Chris, getting slapped Chris again. Chris gets all right the now. ingredients for us too, which is also helpful. So you know through your connections to get the ingredients that helps stave off some of the costs. However, we have the unique, uh, um, I guess, privilege. Uh, according to County of Maui, State of Hawaii, of still paying liquor tax on it because it was produced. So, uh, yeah, even though it's not sold, we still, Hawaii, uh, even when it's donated, you still have to cover the tax. So, it, we 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 paid we pay to play this game. So there's a tax uh, not to disadvantage use a bad term, Maui. but yeah, it's uh, but you know it's it's fine too. We we kind of chuckle about it a bit because even if we sell the beer out of state, we still pay um, a certain liquor tax because it's uh, some are based on sales and others are based on production in Hawaii. So it's a very very special place to to do business. Uh, so so no to, answer, to answer it fully, I mean, we we get ten you know say we get ten thousand dollars from the sales. We write off ten thousand for a donation. It's still zero. Um, you're not making up for the, the lost revenue from from the tank that the beer was in. Um, so it doesn't really have any advantage. Um, you're still back to other zero. than the marketing behind you know showing our support to the community. And there's a, there's certainly a social aspect to that because I think especially consumers of craft beer want to know that they can support a brand because of whether it be sustainable energy, whether it be its place in the community, what it, what it does for the community. So if, you can, if you're buying into the story behind the brand, um, sometimes that is the, the social, uh, the, the philanthropic aspect of that company. Um, you know, and you have to remember too, ingredients are donated, but then there's the, the labor, the electricity, the, the gas, the refrigeration, the shipping, all of those costs, and all we can write off is the, the sale price, if you will, uh, and that that doesn't even begin to really cover at that point um, everything else. So there's, there's, no, uh, there's no tax benefit that gives us a credit back. Uh, and it's something that you, know, you always think when you first start out. You're like, oh, I, I was in finance before, so I understood it. But a lot of people are like, well, don't worry. It's tax deductible. Well, A, profits. Got to have those first. And B, it's not like a tax credit. So it's, um, you know, I, I've always tried to push that limit with my accountant a lot. But it's, it really is like, hey, we, we've donated half a million dollars to these wonderful charities. And that says a lot more than any sort of tax benefit. Uh, and, and frankly, I think that's worth more anyways, just to be able to show people that, how it differentiates, again, craft beer from big beer. So. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to quickly ask, is this uh, anyone following your lead, doing other charitable things like this, or is this unique in the kind of um, craft beer area? Or Well, as, as far as my knowledge, this is the largest, um, as far as craft breweries go, organized, um, organi organized one. But, I mean, I'd, you'd be hard-pressed not to find a craft brewery that, that donates or makes a beer for, for a charity. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we're based off of. I mean, we're, we're community businesses that give back. Um, yeah, we're doing one next month for the Florida Cattlemen's Association. So, I mean, we're, yeah, we're always doing stuff. I, I can't even keep up with it. It's just a matter of, like, meeting the deadlines when they give them to me. I think that's where, yeah, I don't, I don't know of any other collaborative, um, at least at this scale. Uh, we do a beer every year with uh, Coronado Brewing Company, which is a collaboration beer called Hibiscus IPA. Uh, so we do that as a donation to... Uh, Beer for Boobs, uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. Uh, it's one of my favorite charities I love to support. 
Um, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. Um, <laughs> almost no one got it anyways, but that's great. Paying attention. Um, <laughs> you missed it, Kat. Um, but we just got done doing one for uh, the Shark Lab in Hawaii, uh, University of Hawaii Shark Lab. Uh, it was called Lorenzini Blood Orange Double IPA. So it was a, a blood orange IPA done with uh, Azaka and El Dorado. So that beer was brewed uh, with the profits going to the Shark Lab to promote uh, shark research and anti-finning campaigns. So you know, the water is really important to us uh, on a lot of reasons, but the oceans in particular in Hawaii. So I mean, things like that. But like Chris said, hard pressed to find a brewery that doesn't brew a beer whether it get packaged or not, uh, to donate money. So. so, Matt, who are some of the other sponsors besides Louisville Slugger and Crown uh, uh, Packaging? So, thanks, Paul. Great transition. We're about to end right, here, right now, but um, besides all the breweries that we have from uh, Stone, Perennial, uh, Sly Fox will come back next year, we hope, Maui, Cigar City, Center of the Universe, uh, 21st Amendment, Left Hand, Palmetto, and Fremont. Um, we also have Crown Cans, who donates all the cans. It's a huge effort. The Pewterbaugh family, which is a family-based uh, hop-growing operation out in the Yakima Valley in Sunnyside, lovely Washington. Um, we also have uh, Cargill, which donates the uh, malt for some of the breweries who choose to use that malt. And I think this year, those are the three that we had. Last year, we had Bolter donating the glassware. We had uh, Codes donating the T-shirts. Um, but this year, those are the main three we're, or four we're, that we're focusing on. So we would not be able to do this without Crown, Pewterbaugh, um, you know, and Cargill uh, sponsoring this project. So thank you to them, and thank you to all of you who came out here, more importantly, to hear about the Homefront IPA project, and thanks to all these guys. All right, thanks, guys. Well done. That's a nice noise. Well... I hear there's beer here, there's beer downstairs, and some food pairings downstairs from what I hear. Um, so why don't we go check that out and have some more fun. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2015, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2015, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor at craftbeerradio.com savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com. <laughs>